0: there it is it is wednesday it is the last show of the week and we're super excited we're going to talk polyamorous parenting we're going to talk boundaries we're going to talk consent we're going to talk all kinds of things because our guest is super fun we're just going to dive in let's go let's have a good time practicing polyamory real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory the mission of the practicing polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community enjoy the show All right, all right, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this beautiful Wednesday. Before we jump in and chat with today's guest, I wanna quickly remind everybody that we're doing three, three live shows every week. So there's a lot of opportunity to ask questions. If you have questions about your relationships or if there's a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show, slide into my DMs or comment while we're live. Follow the show on all social media platforms at Practicing Poly a. Let me know what you want us to talk about. And as always, I want to remind you, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. We are here to share our imperfect stories. And I want to get as many voices as possible to speak here because I know that the more stories we hear, the more others will see us in themselves. And the more representation we have, the more we can strengthen our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com and sign up today. All right. That is my spiel. And now, Ladies and gentlemen, on to the best part of the show introducing our guest. Today's guest is an American expat living and working in Australia. Anyone else here jealous? I know I am. And running a therapy practice that focuses on supporting nonconformists. You know, us. Polyam folks, kinksters, sex workers, LGBTQ, all of us can find safety and understanding with our guest whose passion is to support the diversity of the human experience. By helping people learn to understand one another and exploring the power of vulnerability, our guest facilitates effective, honest communication among polycules to help foster community, manage businesses, and build lasting, joyful relationships. Our guest wrote her master's thesis on polyamorous parenting, and she regularly leads workshops on boundaries, consent, and body image. So let's see what we can uncover today and what gems we can find. Joining us from Spectra Counseling out of Melbourne, Australia, welcome to the show, Jenna (laughs) Trosso. Yeah. <laughs> i
1: wish i wish i got an intro like that
0: you should always get an intro like that if people aren't introducing you like that at every event and panel that you're uh speaking at then then i i don't know they gotta hire me <laughs> <laughs> I'm for sale. I'm for sale. Uh, Jenna, thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today, spending some time with me on the show. Uh, Let's dive right in. Tell us, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Um, Who are you? What took you to Australia? And why focus on helping the polyamorous community?
1: Yeah, um, so I have been polyamorous either seven years or my whole life depending on how you think of polyamory like when I look back on my journals and stuff when I was a kid Mm -hmm. I would say that I had to crush on like three or four people at once and I would like I always thought that I had to choose Um, Mm -hmm. but it was it was kind of unnatural for me to do so Um, like I fell in love with two best friends in college and I couldn't kind of figure out why we couldn't all make it work but I ended up losing that entire friendship group because they were like, no, 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 you're know you not allowed to, to be with both of us. And it was, it broke my heart. Um, mm. Actually kind of ended up traveling because I didn't have that friendship group anymore. And then ended up uh, th- when the economy crashed in 2008, uh, I ended up working for my cousin in Japan and met all these Australians who convinced me to come visit here and then I never left. And <laughs> <laughs> I That'll fell in it. love. Yeah, and then, um, you know, I, I ended up uh, getting sponsored to stay in the country, and then I started nice. uh, exploring um, being open. and uh, I think I read Sex at Dawn, okay. <laughs> and um, and it clicked that like, oh, okay, there are ways to actually be ethical and and like, there's there's actually people who experience um, attraction to multiple people and aren't ashamed of it. And I'd like to explore that, and so I started to explore that uh, with partners and you know, definitely made some mistakes myself and had some pretty uh, volatile relationships for a while. Um, We've all been
0: there. (laughs) We've all been there. We've all been there.
1: Um, But ended up getting my master's over here uh, and deciding that I wanted to support people in communication. Um, I was an environmental studies major in college and uh, thought that I was going to, you know, save the world and then realized that people can't care about the environment when they don't care about themselves. And so I went into therapy because I thought that you know helping people communicate and and care about themselves uh, was the way to kind of save the world, <laughs> which yeah. is probably really idealist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it might not be saving the whole world for everybody, but you, you might no, be saving the world for one person at a time, and you know that's that's powerful, meaningful work. So, uh, yeah. and especially the fact that you are aware of affirming of uh polyam kingsters non-monogamy all of these things because that is you know on this show i talk to a lot of therapists and Mm -hmm. other professionals who are all aware and affirming of polyamory but it's not the norm out in you know the therapy industry like it's it's a pretty small percentage right
1: a lot of the people that i see have had um really troubling experiences with their, uh, with their therapists in the past um, and like I would say probably the majority of people who come to see me have some sort of story about uh, telling a, a person that they were polyamorous and having that person either try to tell them that you know it's just because of their daddy issues or mm-hmm. it's just because you know uh, they don't know how to love and and just that kind of shaming and um, their recovery process is, is really awful that, you know, like to, to open yourself up to a professional and have that professional judge you is just like it, it's 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 really hard for most people.
0: I totally agree. Yeah. And you you actually you have something um, that I know we talked about uh, before before we started here. If somebody is discovering that they are polyamorous you actually have some kind of a support group or a page or something I, like I that? I do a
1: panel. Um, so we, I started running a panel in Melbourne um, called, I think I might be polyamorous, now what? Um, and it's a group of people that I know, uh, and it's it's expanded since then. There's some people who I've actually never met who participate in it. But um, it's, it, it used to go every two months and then COVID happened. So it hasn't uh, happened for a while, but I do plan on putting it on uh, online again. Uh, and it's just a group of people who are talking about, you know, what they've learned from polyamory, what I think monogamous people have to learn from polyamory, um, mistakes that they've made, so that other people can learn from them. Um, and it's just like it's a two and a half hour panel of people talking about, you know, what they like, what they don't like, mistakes they've made, um, and how people can come in, kind of recognize themselves in, in their stories, mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. like what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I mean, that. I, I feel like that's uh, the, the best way to find the community. I mean, the Internet is, has just opened it up so much. Yeah. Um, I interview people sometimes who have been polyamorous for 20 plus years. And 20 years ago, we didn't have any of the resources that we have now. So it's, it's yeah. huge to be able to, to um, promote these communities. And this community is, uh, you know, in the before times, y'all were meeting in person. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it was.
1: It was just for Melbourne. There's like there's a pretty thriving polyamorous community in Melbourne. I'm pretty lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a a group called uh, Poly Vic that does discussion groups, and I actually met my nesting partner uh, through us co-facilitating uh, those those nice. discussion groups. And so uh, and then there's also like uh, poly meetups and you know dating events and stuff. Um, but there's like all sorts of different things that you can go to. And experience polyamorous folks, you know, just if if you want to be friends and just have people to to talk to, or if you want to date. There's there's a really vibrant scene here.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I I definitely wanted to highlight it. The majority of my guests are uh, based here in the states, and so to have a resource for polyam folks in Australia, like this is this is a really really great uh, opportunity to, you know, be able to build that community. In, in a more localized place. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about these other workshops that you do. Um, so, so we have the one, I think I might be polyamorous. Now what? Very intro to polyamory. It sounds like, you know, uh, probably don't get into, you know, what to look for from your therapist, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but we got that. We got that covered. Uh, what yeah. are some of the other workshops that you are doing?
1: Uh, I like. I run a, a workshop called the Enthusiastic Yes. It's a consent and boundaries workshop. Um, oh, okay. It really talks about uh, the gray areas and why people miss signals and and why we find it so hard to say no and and why it's so important to to get that enthusiasm and um, mm-hmm. and uh, proactive consent. Um, not mm-hmm. not just in in you know sexual spaces, but kind of in in all of our life, like when I lead it in person, you know, when I greet people, I'm like, so are you a hugger? Are you a handshaker? Are you a waver? Like, how do you like to greet people? Cause I'm a hugger. I love to hug, but you know, if, if somebody else is not, uh, I don't want to impose on their boundaries from the get go. Um, so just, it, it's about uh, teaching people um, about why everything goes wrong and, and why, you know, that yes is so important and uh, really trying to softly uh, make consent exciting
0: <laughs> i mean I, I think it is <laughs> personally right
1: uh, yeah but the number of people who are like oh you know you you can't ask for a kiss i'm like you can if you're like hey i would really enjoy kissing you right now um but only if you want it is that something that you want because you gotta let me know like i see i see i think that's sexy but like people are like oh no you can't ask to kiss somebody and it's like well actually you can you just gotta play with it
0: so so i uh, I'm just thinking in my head of like the things that I've done. Right. I mm. I'm, I'm like the most hopeless romantic, you know, that was me growing up, listening to all of the love songs, like give me some boys to men and some Casey and Jojo, like, you know, all, all of the, 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 the most romantic love songs, like that was me. Right. And so there was always the pressure. And I learned this word recently normativity, Which is like yeah. the rom- romantic pressures Anyway so there's always this pressure For me to like find the perfect time To have that first kiss You know yeah. and like There's there's the fairy tale You know like you just know when that moment Is right you know and so I think That that's the argument Is that, that when you're looking for that First kiss like it should just, just Feel right and that moment should be there And somebody like that Might feel that asking for the kiss the way that you presented is taking away from that romanticism and sexiness. What do you think?
1: Yeah, see, for me, I have been in spaces where people have assumed things from my silence that I didn't want. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, it's really uncomfortable Yes, it's it's wonderful when you're you're both feeling it, but like, you know, some people don't even know that they're actually on a date. Like mm. you know, like I, I've had things where like I've I've been in a car with somebody and like thought that I was, you know, doing a solid giving them a ride to something and they thought they were on a date. And so like, you know, my like willingness to talk about anything they were interpreting as flirting. Whereas I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, we're having like an interesting conversation. Sure, we're talking about our sex lives, but it doesn't feel sexual to me at all. Um, mm-hmm. But this person is like, oh, this person's giving me signals and like, so it, I I appreciate the clarity. I always right. appreciate right. the clarity. Like, I think that somebody going like, hey, I'm into you. This is a little scary, but like, I wanna make sure that like, you know, you know what we're doing and, and I know what we're doing. Let's get on the same page. That's always really reassuring to me Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and and so I I would always yeah, I would always err on the side of making it blunt um yes. rather than kind of having that like oh I don't know if that was actually a really good thing for me to do because I've I've done that, I've been there on both sides, and it sucks. Yep. <laughs> so like to leave a situation go like, oh, I don't I don't actually really feel very good about that. Like I I would always rather now really be blunt, have my feelings like, you know, completely slammed if I'm like on the on the wrong mm-hmm. page. <laughs> and then like not hurt somebody
0: <laughs> yeah i i think it's like uh uh changing the conversation like i like i said you know growing up with all this romantic ideas is just changing the conversation and saying no actually you know let's not have that expectation right yeah. let's not pretend like it's all fairy tales and roses and all that right and let's actually hollywood.
1: It's, hollywood. it's not hollywood it's not Hollywood. It's not like watching. You know, like, well, yes,
0: yes, yes. Like that's the influence. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. But like real
0: life is not Hollywood.
1: No, it's not. But but we watch all these movies and we're like, oh, they. You know, the swelling music tells us that we that they're both interested in each other, and the, the lingering gaze of the camera lets them know that they're all into each other. And it's like, well, actually, I don't have that in my daily life. <laughs> and someone showing up
0: and works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> yes exactly that's not how I have the swelling music in my head but I'm the yeah. only one that has it
1: yeah exactly like I I, I you know somebody like watching me is, is stalking me like I, I don't like that that makes me feel really uncomfortable if they're showing up at the cafe that I'm at every day and staring at me long and I'm like ooh this is not, this yeah. is not actually as cool as you think it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in Hollywood it works in real life it's just creepy
1: yeah Well, I don't know if you remember. There was that guy who, like, you know, was on at at his girlfriend's dorm and was like playing piano until she took him back a few years ago. And everybody's like, "No, no, don't do this.
0: That's not okay."
1: (laughs) Yeah, he like dragged this piano out into this like into the field in front of her dorm and was just like playing piano (laughs) for days. And it's like that's coercive, and coercion is not sexy.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry, I took it too far. Yeah, definitely took it too far. <laughs> definitely took that too far. Um, wow. Okay, so this is great. Okay, coercion is not the same as consent. Let's dive into that. Yeah. Give me more on that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think when when somebody wants something so much, um, it's so easy to go, oh, well, if I can just get this person to be in... This in the same mindset as as I am. Then it'll all work out perfectly. Um, but that's not actually giving somebody what uh, all the information that they need to to make their own choices. And mm-hmm. it feels really icky. Like it yeah. feels really icky on both sides because another person is actually getting what they need. And and one of the th- the things that I really like to stress in my workshops is the biggest gift that you can give somebody is to reject them. Because you're saying, I can't give you what you need, but you deserve what you need. So you need to look elsewhere to get your needs met. And so that's, you know, it, it feels scary to to say no sometimes. But mm-hmm. if you can word it that way, like, it's it's almost always, like, really freeing for the person. Because, it's like, I want you to be happy. I just can't give you what you're looking for. Right. And so I'm, I'm freeing you to, to, you know, look anywhere else in the world to get that need met. It's just, it can't be with me right now. But you, but you should deserve that because you want to find somebody who gels with you, who who gets that.
0: Totally. And like,
1: yeah, it, when so people when people actually get to that point where they can find that person, it's like, oh, excellent. Like, there was a, a, a guy who used to be, uh, who I've been friends with for a long time who had a crush on me. Um, and eventually, like, we kissed once and I was like, oh, this is not going to work. <laughs> like, hmm. it's just, I'm not feeling this attraction. And I'm sorry, you need to, like, I am not your soulmate. Um, And the next person that he started dating, he ended up marrying. And I'm like, cool, see that?
0: That's your soulmate. (laughs) (laughs) That works out. You're good.
1: Yeah, yeah. You deserve to be happy. It's just I'm not the one who's going to make you happy. And if I, like, you know, pretended that I was that person for him and I I forced Mm -hmm. myself to be that person, like, neither of us would have ended up actually happy.
0: All right. I love it. So while we're on the subject of uh, of consent, because I love this, I love where we're at with this. Um, And one of the things that you mentioned was your friend that you at at one point kissed and you were immediately like, yep, nope, I'm not feeling this. Something that happens a lot of times is consent is given, but then there's that trouble that we have in taking consent back. Maybe at one point Mm -hmm. we had a friend with benefits and, you know, we were having sex casually you know whatever and then something happens where we're like you know what maybe we're not so comfortable with that that anymore but that expectation is there so there's a fear that you mentioned in saying no yeah tell us a little bit about how we can become empowered in ourselves to be able to to advocate for ourselves and Mm -hmm. take a stand when we when we need to say no
1: Mm. well I like to flip it Um, In my own head and think if I was honest with this person right now um, About what's really going on inside of me How would they feel because if I if I was if I'm in a a space and I'm kissing somebody and I'm not into them if I was actually gonna be honest with that person and be like, oh I really don't want to do this but I'm just doing this because I feel like you really need this kiss right now and I'm gonna like keep on doing this because I'm uncomfortable with my boundaries and I don't know like this that that person would not be wanting to kiss me right mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I hope if, if somebody was still into that I'm like oh that's really not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> really not my thing. Um, it's worse but
0: it's so much worse much worse. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and so that kind of like I'm like if they could read my mind right now they would not want to be in this situation with me and so I need to be honest because Mm. they don't know what's actually happening and and like I'm probably not going to be like hey I'm disgusted right now but I'm going to be like hey this isn't actually working for me like this is scary for me to tell you like I don't want to hurt your feelings but I also don't want you to uh, us to be in something where neither of us is getting our needs met. Um, so i'm gonna i'm gonna stop right now because i'm just not feeling it right now And like something it, it's it's important to for me to kind of differentiate in myself if something is a hard boundary or a soft boundary mm-hmm. um because like a soft boundary is something that can change if something changes um like you know like a soft boundary might be like i don't want that kind of kiss right now um mm-hmm. but if you lead me up to it that might change um whereas okay. a hard boundary might be is something that you know, you just don't want full stop. It doesn't even really right. matter what conditions are there. Like that's just like a no, a hard no. Um, and so like, if something is a soft boundary, I might be like, hey, like this isn't working for me right now. You know, we can talk about what might need to change in order for us to explore this. Um, but like, if it's a hard boundary, it's just like, hey, this is not going to work.
0: <laughs> and I'm telling you
1: that mind. because I trust you, because I, I care about you, and because I want you to get what you're what you need and yep. and i want me to get what i need mean because i care about both of
0: us. Yes, absolutely. I love it. I love it. All right, i'm going to switch gears a little bit here. Um because i definitely wanted to touch on these things. Uh there are a couple of folks uh that you mentioned maybe don't get as much representation in our community. So the first thing i wanted to jump into was uh folks that are asexual, ace. Yeah. What, what is it that you want to say to our ace community?
1: Uh, I think a lot of people have this idea that polyamory is all about sex. And so if you're asexual, you can't be polyamorous and that's just not true. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's entirely possible for ace people to feel love. (laughs) um, Oh yeah. And it just because like people, yeah, exactly. Just just because people are asexual doesn't mean that they're not polyamorous Um, and so like, it's, it, if anything, asexual people have more ability to be polyamorous because they can be with so many people and love so many people and not have to worry <laughs> about, like, oh, okay, like, are my needs getting met sexually? No, they don't need to be. <laughs> like, right, that's totally right. fine. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to kind of give it a shout out to to ace people because, like, there's nothing wrong with you
0: um,
1: and you're allowed to be poly and, and like, we love you, too. <laughs>
0: absolutely absolutely i'm just curious what is it uh that makes you want to speak to that community specifically was there something that's that happened recently something that you've seen in the media what is it that made you want to speak to that that part of our community
1: honestly it's whenever i see anything about people being like oh this these people can't be this it's always really hard for me um and, and i think that that's why like I really called Spectra Counseling for Nonconformists because like I think there's so much stigma around people's identities and and so much judgment around people's identities and so it's so like it, it there's there wasn't anything specific recently like I you know I'm, I'm I guess I subscribe to a lot of different pages on on Facebook and like mm-hmm. every so often like you know the ace arrows and nbs pages like hey like you know it's okay for you to be non-binary and androgynous and Um, and like, it's okay for you to be asexual and all these things. And I'm like, yes, yes, it is. Like shout out to you people. You guys are great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) because I think that like, we just need to send love to, to, to more folk everywhere. Like totally. Yeah. I I think that there's so much sadness that happens when people feel alone. Um, when people Mm. feel like they're unique and not in a good way because they haven't found anybody else that they can relate to. And so. Um, it's just, yeah, it's important to me to make people feel like, hey, you're part of a community, you belong, and
0: we all love you. <laughs> totally, totally. I love it. And y- when you say unique like that, it's like this loneliness of feeling like you're the only one with XYZ type of type of problem, type of issue, whatever yeah. it is. Um, yeah. It was part of the inspiration behind this podcast. It was like, if I can talk to enough people, there's going to be more and more people that see themselves in the people that we talk to. Um, right. And that goes to, you know, um, the trying to build the, the diversity, right? Trying to get as much representation as we have here uh, as possible. Um, I wanted to ask you also, I'm sorry, I kind of backtracked a little bit. I wanted to ask you though, uh, about your master's thesis, about this yeah. polyamorous uh, parents. Uh, what, was, what was the, the basis what, what were you writing about what is it that you were studying exactly
1: um so I was I was getting my, my master's in counseling and, and psychotherapy um and I knew that there wasn't a lot of research into polyamorous parenting and so mm-hmm. I mean I did a I did a qualitative um research thesis um so I I spoke to people uh, about their experiences and what came up um i had i had two participants that had really really different experiences um cuz one uh was polyamorous and when she uh when she had her uh, her child she was part of kind of a community but um the father didn't really decide to be involved with uh with raising the kid and so she like kind of raised her kid with her friends mm-hmm. um and it worked you know like she she raised her kids with uh she like her friends she who she lived with like, like she trusted them and they would uh look out for her and look out for her kid and and like so her kid felt like he had a bunch of parents <laughs> right and that was really cool um but then on the other side the per, uh, the person that i talked to um she had um she she and her uh her husband at the time had had this kid and they had been polyamorous throughout relationship uh, but they got divorced and when he started dating someone new that new person um, decided that they were monogamous and uh, used uh, her polyamory against her to try to take her kid from her because and there's no mm-hmm. rights um, and right and right like especially in Australia there's no legal uh, rights for polyamorous yeah um, and so she really had to hide who she was um, to put on this facade of like you know, mon- uh, hetero monogamism to kind of convince the courts that she was um, a decent parent, and it, it, actually, the data shows that like kids in polyamorous uh, structures are just as happy, if not happier, than mm-hmm. um, than than kids uh, that are in um, a more monogamous uh, structured, uh, you know, nuclear family. Right. Um. And so it's it's just it's so problematic uh, that. Our, our legal system doesn't support these things because there's still this bias that, um, you know, polyamory equals promiscuity and promiscuity is somehow immoral. And, um, you know, it, it's it's really, it's, it's, it's a really big problem. And so I, I really kind of wanted to highlight like that the polyamorous part wasn't the problem for these people. Um, the, the way society wasn't supporting them was. Um,
0: I totally, yeah. Totally agree with that. We, we're we lucky. You know, um, there's like some small movement that I'm seeing. There's uh, I forgot the name of the community out in Massachusetts. Uh, it's escaping my mind right now, but uh, there is a city that has started to implement some of these protections uh, yeah. that we're talking about, recognizing polyamory as as an option. So that's pretty cool. Um one of the things that stood out to me as you were telling the story of these, of these two people that you were, that you were working with or studying uh, one of them raised their children with a bunch of friends. Yeah. And so I'm assuming that when we say that, that there's no sexual connection, right. And it, Sometimes
1: sexual connection, like Maybe. she was very okay. relationship anarchist. Um, okay. Like so,
0: you know, like she
1: like would occasionally have sexual experiences with some of those friends, but like for the most part, she considered them friends. Right. Right. But like, yeah, that was. But that was the way that she, um, she identified it was like, you know, they're my friends. But then occasionally they would have like orgies together.
0: <laughs> so it's it's really okay, cool. So, but okay. All right. So that kind of changed where where I was going with it a little bit. I was thinking, you know, like, like when we have, you know, friends, quote unquote, that it would be, you know, oh, that's totally fine. You know, you you have somebody who winds up a single parent and, you know, some of their friends move in and they all become the parents, like that's totally fine. But the moment that you throw sex into the mix, right, all of a sudden that's where, where the hangups begin. Um, in the other example that you were talking about, we have, you know, two people who get divorced. Typically, that's, you know, no problem. But all of a sudden, you know, this other person, if they were dating just monogamously, that'd be whatever. But because yes. they choose to be polyamorous, all of a sudden that becomes like this big, you know, holy crap, what's going on? So yeah. it's it's just uh, kind of the, the the stigma, I guess, around sex negativity. What do you think? Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely, um, and and just I mean that that person was trying to use whatever he could to uh, to hurt um, and, and to to hurt the person that I was interviewing and and to like to gain control of their kids and that was the easiest way for for yeah. him to was just to to kind of push this angle of like oh well she's doing this really immoral thing and it's like well you were participating in this for years like
0: <laughs> uh, what hypocrite. the hell, then? <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we'll start to see more more of these changes come up. Um, you know, hopefully we we'll keep working towards more of these protections, normalizing. It's part yeah. of the work that we're all all doing here. Uh, last thing I want to ask you before uh, before we start to close out. Relationship anarchists. That yes. was another person, another thing that you just mentioned right now. That uh, that the 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 one study that you were talking with, uh, she was a relationship anarchist, and. Um, Want to touch on that? That community, that part of our community.
1: Yeah. Well, some people, some relationship anarchists consider themselves part of the polyamorous community. Some of them don't, um, because oh, it's possible okay. to be uh, to be monogamous and relationship anarchists. Like like some people okay. who are relationship anarch- anarchists decide to be in a monogamous relationship, um, but that's but they consider themselves relationship anarchists because they are choosing that deliberately in their smorgasbord of. Uh, of options of anarchy. Mm. um but yeah there's i guess i i see it as just you're you're choosing different ways to love and so as long as it's all consensual it's it's part of the the broad spectrum of of non monogamy and i think polyamory supports that because if you want to love more than one person there's that option um so you know relationship anarchist folks i think i think you're part of the umbrella <laughs> <laughs> you know you're welcome
0: they, here. if they want to be if they yeah. want to be
1: the the umbrella is open for you here if you're feeling a little wet outside
0: (laughs) nice nice i like it (laughs) uh jenna it's been so much fun getting to know you getting to chat with you uh i want to give you an opportunity to uh let people know uh i know you did mention that you're a little booked So it's uh, you've got a little bit of a waiting list, but uh, you do have the workshops that you're doing. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, find out more about uh, the workshops or anything else that you've got going on. What's the best way for people to follow you and and learn more about you?
1: The best way is to like the Facebook page. yeah, facebookcom counseling and that's where I throw up links to um, to the workshops that I that I run. I, I put them on Eventbrite. I put them on online, so people can, from America can actually go and see uh, see us. Um, there's also for America, I, I, uh, if you're looking for a polyamorous therapist, there's the um, uh, Pink aware professionals, like I think it's CAP, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of those folk um, tend to be polyamor supportive as well. Um, I specifically, in my practice, tend to focus on emotionally focused therapy, um, and that's a really useful thing for uh, secure attachment. Um, and secure attachment is completely possible in polyamorous relationships as Jessica Fern has been talking about in her book, Poly Secure, which came out last year. And I want to plug that because it's the best book that I've read on <laughs> attachment theory and polyamory and trauma. And yeah, nice. um, yeah. So uh, just ask your ask your uh, professional what they know about polyamory and, and hopefully they give a uh, positive response before deciding to go and see them.
0: <laughs> All right. Right. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you again, Jenna, so much for uh spending some time with me for hanging out and uh for giving us this wealth of knowledge. I really feel like we did we got into some good stuff, especially around consent. That was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, James. It's lovely to meet you.
0: (laughs) Thanks, thanks. All right, uh, and that's it. Thank you as always for uh to our live audience for tuning in today. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for the podcast downloads. So If you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 specific time, or sign up for our Patreon, where you'll get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is that you download your podcast if you haven't already, and please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. All right, everybody, that is all we've got for you all today. Thank you once again to you, Jenna, and for everybody else. Until next time. Have a nice day!